Welcome to the CND Podcast. I'm Naima Kalachand and I'm the clinical editor. Today I'll be speaking to Philip Crilly, who is a relief pharmacist and senior lecturer at Kingston University. This is the second of two short podcasts where we'll be discussing the pharmacist's role this cold and flu season. You can access the first podcast on our website where we discussed the differential diagnosis of cold and flu and COVID-19. This podcast has been developed in conjunction with Day and Night Nurse. First of all, I asked Philip if he could talk to me about how pharmacist's role has changed this cold and flu season. This is what he had to say. It's an unusual time, obviously. You know, we've got COVID, we've got the risks of cold and flu still in the background. I think, though, that pharmacy teams are ready because they've almost been dealing with sort of like a horrendous cold and flu season for the past sort of eight months. So it's almost like December, January, February, but going on and on and on. So I think teams are really well prepared going forward. And I think, you know, they're very conscious about their role in responding to symptoms, really. So Whenever we respond to symptoms in a pharmacy, we're thinking always about, okay, well, is this something that is straightforward that can be treated with over-the-counter medicine or or with just basic advice? Or is this something we need to think about referring the patient to? I think a lot of pharmacy teams have done a lot in terms of, you know, just re-evaluating the training of their staff and making sure that the staff are up to date in terms of the distinguishing features between cold, flu and COVID so that the healthcare assistants, the pharmacy dispensers, the pharmacists are all on the same page in terms of what we can treat and what we need to refer and I think you know pharmacy teams are always very good at thinking about prevention and vitamins and minerals are available to buy over the counter that may boost immune systems but also obviously you know pharmacy teams are pushing the flu agenda and really promoting the fact that they can offer either free on the NHS or low-cost private flu vaccinations to the public as well and I think what the pharmacy teams are really good at these days and what the local pharmacy committees and the Royal Pharmaceutical Society and the GPHC have been quite good as trying to help pharmacy teams keep abreast of all of the new government guidelines and sending out information on a regular basis about what government changes mean for pharmacy and what we need to do differently potentially as a result of what the what the uh, the government has said. But I think, you know, pharmacy teams should be absolutely applauded for just working absolutely nonstop through, you know, one of the most difficult pandemics that any of us have ever experienced in our lifetime and still doing it positively and still doing it to help the public as much as they possibly can. I completely agree with you. The pharmacy teams have been phenomenal over the last eight months. And just on that, so has footfall increased in the pharmacy during the last eight months or so? It started very heavy at the very, very start where people were just panicking and they were thinking about maybe they'll not be able to get their medications if the pharmacy shuts down. Then people were starting to panic about, you, you saw the news, even like panic buying of just simple toiletries and stuff. So it started off absolutely quite hectic. Then what happened was then people realised that obviously the pharmacies will remain open. So therefore, there's not a panic in terms of getting access to medications. But then obviously we had to be very strict about sort of how we let people into the pharmacy. So, you know, obviously anybody exhibiting any symptoms of COVID were obviously asked not to come to the pharmacy. We had to have queues outside the pharmacy. And again, I suppose whenever the lockdown first started, the weather was quite good. So people didn't mind waiting outside and, you know, having to stand outside in the sunshine. Whereas now, I guess, as the weather gets a little bit colder and cooler, people are a little bit more reluctant to do that. When July came, 
again, you know, shopping became reasonably okay again. People had more confidence in their ability to go back out to the stores. Again, whenever masks were encouraged, you know, people felt a little bit safer wearing masks and coming into the pharmacy as well. And I think, you know, the fact that GPs are sort of less likely to see people face to face, it's not that they're not seeing them face to face, but sometimes the public do like to see a face and they do like to see a member of the healthcare team at the pharmacy or they do like to speak to the pharmacist. So we are starting to see people sort of filter back in and see the pharmacist more often. You know, we just don't know how winter is going to affect that. And the fact that if we are having a system of one in, one out, or if we are having a system of, you know, people having to very much distance themselves from each other, I don't know how that's going to affect us over this winter period. Pharmacists have very much been at the forefront. Do you think patients are now more likely to seek advice from their pharmacist rather than their doctor? Oh, definitely. And I really hope it does continue because I think what's happened is the public hopefully now realise the value of pharmacies and the pharmacy team. Because I think, you know, very often pharmacists and their teams have been taken for granted. And, you know, the public are very often think, well, oh, I'm going to see my GP. And if we live in a country where it's free to see your GP, then that always will appear to be the easiest way to get healthcare support and advice. Whereas we've seen that actually when it's a little bit more difficult to see your GP, that the public really do see the value of the pharmacy. And I think even this week there was an article in The Guardian about somebody saying how they had never met a pharmacist they didn't like. And I think that covers the whole pharmacy team, really. You know, they are a group of positive people who are there to help the public and who have all the necessary skills to, you know, identify whether or not they can help the person or whether they need to be referred. So I hope, I do feel it's going to happen that the public will begin now to really, really see the pharmacist as the sort of the first port of call for healthcare and sort of the one-stop shop for initial healthcare at least and know that we will be the people that will either treat them or refer them. And what kind of measures have pharmacies put in place to help with social distancing and protect patients and pharmacy staff during COVID-19? You know, pharmacies haven't been too different from some of the major sort of grocery stores as well. So you'll find that we have a one in one out policy. I suppose the thing with pharmacies is a lot of pharmacies are quite small in terms of their layout. You maybe would have a small retail space in a dispensary. So there's not a huge amount of room to move to move around in. And so therefore, it's quite difficult to socially distance. So a lot of pharmacies adopted this sort of one in one out policy. For those pharmacies that can have more than one person in the pharmacy, then obviously the customers are usually usually given some kind of an indication on the floor about what a two metre distance is so that that can be maintained. But in addition, you know, we encourage all customers to use a face mask where possible. But again, pharmacies particularly understand that there may be people who cannot use masks for medical reasons. And so therefore, we are very understanding about that. And as a result of that, what we've tried to do is also introduce other measures within the pharmacy so that we'll protect the staff, particularly from people maybe who cannot wear masks. So that's where we've introduced things like perspex partitioning. So there's a little bit of a barrier between the member of staff and the patient. But obviously, because it's perspex, it's clear so it can be seen through. So it doesn't really break up that communication because I think... One of the things that's really, really important between pharmacist and member of the public is that there is that face to face, just even to be able to see people's body language and to be able to see sort of how people are looking or, you know, I I think if we weren't able to see a person, if we were behind some kind of a metal barrier and we couldn't see the person clearly, it'd be very difficult to, you know, support them and help them. But the fact that it's a perspex clear screen, it means that we can see them, we can read their body language and, you know, we can support them better. And obviously, you know, all pharmacy teams have the appropriate PPE now. At the very, very start of the pandemic, it was very difficult to get the PPE that was needed. But that seems to now be in a much better place. So, you know, masks, 
face shields, aprons if needed as well. So we see a lot of happening in the pharmacy and also a lot more deliveries to patients. We do have the electronic prescription service, which people are starting to utilize more. And what we've tried to do is have everything ready. So if somebody is going to come and collect the prescription, that it's ready and waiting for them. So they're literally just coming, collecting and going or else we're getting it delivered to them. So the time that people spend in the pharmacy is much less than it would have been before. Could you talk to me a bit about the over-the-counter treatments that are available for cold and flu and, you know, what kind of different formulations are available and for what kind of symptoms and what advice they can give patients on the ease products? OTC cold and cough remedies have been sort of the mainstay of, of pharmacy for a very long time. And so, you know, the staff will be very familiar with all of these different products. I think it's probably good just to break it all down into, you know, the specific symptoms. So obviously, if somebody has a high temperature, we're going to be thinking about things like paracetamol or ibuprofen. Again, you know, we need to think about the patient themselves. So do they have any underlying medical conditions that might prevent them from using these products and be conscious about that? Obviously, these products are, are available in a number of different forms formulations, obviously tablets, capsules, and maybe suspensions for young children or maybe people who can't swallow. Other things people experience when they have colds and flus may be things like a blocked stuffy nose. So previously we talked a little bit about doing some steam inhalation with a type of vapor rub, but also, you know, we have obviously decongestants like pseudoephedrine, or we have other um, sort of sprays and tablets that contain decongestants that may be suitable for patients as well. I think the one thing about nasal spray uh, decongestants that people are obviously need to be conscious about is the risk of rebound congestion if those are used for too long. So generally the advice is that for a nasal decongestant that it's only used for a period of seven days just to avoid that issue of rebound congestion. For coughs, people obviously will experience different types of coughs. So whether it be a dry cough, we would usually recommend something like fulcadine. If it was a chesty cough, then some expectorant like guafenicin, which will just help to break up the phlegm and just make it easier for the patient to, to get rid of any phlegm that may be caught up in their throat. But, you know, we go right through to other types of things, like just even things like basic simple linctus or glycerin, honey and lemon, you know, for, for people maybe who are on certain medications who can't have fulcadine or who can't have guafenicin, there is a range of different products that may also be useful for them. And I guess many of us don't like to take lots of different medications. I think if you think about a cold and flu, you're talking about a fever, you're talking about nasal congestion, you're talking about a cough, you could be taking three or four or five different medications all for those things separately. So I think one of the obviously the, the positive things on the market are the combination products. So you've got combination products products that contain paracetamol, they maybe have a cough remedy in there and they also have a decongestant. So you're managing to treat three of the symptoms of cold and flu with just one product, which, you know, quite a lot of people find is maybe a more effective way for them to treat their symptoms without having to take too many uh, different remedies. And is there any cautions that the pharmacy team should remind patients about whenever they're taking these combination products? Well, particularly with the combination products, often they contain paracetamol or ibuprofen. And so very much patients need to be conscious that if they're taking any other paracetamol or ibuprofen based products that, you know, they shouldn't be taking these together because obviously they could end up with exceeding the maximum daily recommended dose of either of those products. And what cautions should also be used with pseudoephedrine and phenylephrine products? 
But obviously these are now restricted in terms of how many days that they can be sold. So we, we're, we're limited in terms of only being able to sell one packet of 12 pseudoephedrine 60 milligram tablets. But also I think it's really important that we remind certain demographics of patients, so particularly diabetic patients, patients with heart disease or who have high blood pressure or overactive thyroid, that those products may not be suitable for them. And, and the list could go on. So you could mention people who have maybe glaucoma or enlarged prostate. So I think it's really important that staff whenever they go through their WAM questions, you know, when you're asking about any other medical conditions, any other medications, that once you elicit that maybe somebody could have one of those other medical conditions, that you support them to find alternative products that maybe would be more suitable for them instead of the likes of pseudoephedrine or phenylephrine. Okay. And if a patient does come into the pharmacy and they have symptoms that the pharmacist or pharmacy team suspects are COVID-19, what should they do? Well, I would like to hope that the government has got the word out there that if you do feel that you've got symptoms that probably you shouldn't come to the pharmacy. So in the first instance, I would really sort of hope that the patient doesn't come to the pharmacy and instead what they would do is they go straight online and try and book a test to see whether or not they do have COVID. Obviously, if if they do come into the pharmacy and they are exhibiting COVID symptoms, then again, it's really important that the pharmacy teams reiterate the importance of the person, you know, going straight home, self-isolating for at least 10 days and immediately booking an appointment to have a a COVID test because obviously the longer they go untested, the increased risk that you know their condition could get worse and they may not be aware of what is causing it. So it's really important that they get tested as soon as possible and then once they're tested then that will obviously alert people that they know or people that they've been in contact with that they also may be at risk of having COVID as well. And I think the long-term strategy I guess is to test and trace. So the sooner people get tested, then the sooner that their contacts can be traced and then the sooner that those other people can isolate as well and therefore prevent the the sort of continuous spread of this virus. So I would say try as much as possible to get the word out to your customers not to come into the pharmacy if you feel that you are exhibiting COVID symptoms. Instead, encourage your customers to ring the pharmacy or maybe to arrange a, you know, I don't know whether some pharmacies have maybe video conferencing software that they use like Skype or Microsoft Teams or Zoom or something like that. So try and do it in a non-face-to-face way if somebody is exhibiting symptoms. But obviously, the most important thing as we've talked about is get tested as quickly as possible. And if the symptoms get worse or don't improve, then for the patient to ring NHS 111 or in an emergency to ring 999 to try and get seen by a medical practitioner as quickly as possible. That was Philip Crilly, Relief Pharmacist and Senior Lecturer at Kingston University. In this podcast, we discussed how the pharmacist's role has changed during this cold and flu season during the COVID-19 pandemic. You can access our first podcast with Philip, where we discuss the differential diagnosis of cold and flu and COVID-19 on our website. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to CNT Podcasts on your preferred podcast app or via SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.